0: Used to as a kid, thunderstorms can be scary, right? That thunder, was that thunder a little loud a few weeks ago? I know there were some adult people that were a little scared when we had the thunderstorm. Okay, thank you for your honesty this morning. Appreciate, appreciate it, yes. But I can remember, you know, as much as they scared me, they also were kind of exciting. You know what I mean? It was kind of fun. It's kind of like that whole roller coaster vibe, right? How many are are thrill seekers in the room? This is my Pastor Kaya, raise your hand. We know that you are, yeah. I love me a good roller coaster, okay, and I love it because it does scare me. I mean, there's something exciting about that, that thrilling moment. Um, but thunderstorms used to be a little bit scary at times, especially the kind of thunderstorms thunder we have. I, I truly believe Northern California people don't know what a real thunderstorm is like, right? My, my other Midwest girl over here, yeah. So um, the thunderstorms go on a lot longer, the skies get a lot scarier, there's a lot more lightning, I mean, and it, it goes on for a long time. And often associated with a thunderstorm is a what? A tornado. A tornado. Yeah. So that's what you really want to see. I can remember as in elementary school, um, we did a lot of tornado drills. We all did like earthquake drills. We did tornado drills. And every, every building out in the northwest, to, or northwest, the midwest, tend to be um, built with a basement because they know that tornadoes are regular things. So the schools had basements. So they would walk all the little kids around the corner, down the stairs, and we all sit Indian-style, crisscross applesauce, and wait for the drill to be over. Except one time, it wasn't a drill. And I remember just sitting down there, crisscross applesauce. And you couldn't, you're so far down that you don't really hear a lot of what's happening. You don't know what's going on above you. I just knew we were staying down there for a very long time. Like, it wasn't just a few minutes. Oh, sit down, get back up. Everybody walk orderly back to their classroom. I mean, it was hours this time. For a couple of hours, we were down there. But thunderstorms used to scare me, especially when they'd sneak up on you in the middle of the night, because now it's, you've add darkness to it. But I can remember also liking thunderstorms. I liked them as long as I wasn't in my room by myself. Something about when you're by yourself being scared. Like, I would much rather be scared with someone else with me. So what did I do? What does every kid do when they're scared? They jump out of bed And they go into mom and dad's room, right? And as I got old, I used to crawl into bed with them when I was little. And as I got older, I was too cool for that. So I would just sleep on the floor next to the bed. But at least we'd be in the same room, right? And so now the thunderstorm is no longer scary. It's kind of fun. I'm at peace because I'm with my protectors. And I was just thinking about that this morning um, as we were worshiping and we were in the presence of God. And I was thinking about how great and how mighty and how awesome our God is, and we're invited into his very presence, to live in his very presence. Um, And so when we're going through the terrible thing or the scary thing, it's kind of scary when we're all alone, but if we'll just take a moment to enter into that very presence that we've been invited into, like that we're welcomed into. He doesn't just grudgingly like, yeah, what do you want? like us as parents sometimes do when the kid comes in. Yeah, what do you want now? No, God is never like that because he is patient. He is long-suffering. And when we're in that moment of I don't know what's going to happen, this looks really scary, we never have to be alone. And there's something about the peace that comes when we enter into the presence of God. It's like my daddy can handle this. My daddy can handle this. I just need to go talk to daddy. I just need to be with him. I remember as a kid just knowing my dad could fix anything. Yes. I just trust it. Like, it never even crossed my mind until I became like a teenager, you know, um, and started learning some more things. But, you know, as a kid, I thought if I broke a toy, i just bring it to dad and he's going to fix it. I mean, he might have gone out and bought a new one. I don't know. Or he might have fixed it. I don't know. But it always came back to me whole, okay? Same thing with our father God. Every time something's broken in our lives, especially those broken hearts that are so hard to fix, just says he's near to the brokenhearted. He desires to heal the broken heart, but we've got to go to where he is. And so my point is, what gets us to the presence of God? Worship. Worship. Worship is the very vehicle that God created to take us to where he is. And so if we're feeling a little scared, a little nervous about the situation, and and don't get me wrong, understandably so, we're living in a pretty uncertain world at this time. We have loved ones that have been sick. We have um, family members that have died. We have um, uncertainty with our jobs. We have uncertainty with companies and things like that. So it's understandable. But man, if you're looking for that peace that just doesn't make sense, that surpasses understanding, just go to his presence. Amen. So I just have to tell you guys, I'm really a little upset with all of you. Because you made my week this week very stressful, okay? Let me tell you. Because I knew I was going to preach today. And I was like, God, what do you want me to preach? And I am telling you, you guys stressed me out so much. I feel like we have we need to have a little family conversation about what's been going on here, okay? And part of the th- the thing that I think was a little stressful about it was that everybody's going through something right now. Like, when... You break your hand, your whole body goes to fix the hand, right? To take care of the hand, protect the hand. It's broken. This hand's going to help. You know, you're going to hold it close to your body. Um, You might take some pain pills, whatever. Everybody's going to pay attention. But when every part of the body is hurting at the same time, How do we divide our attention up? And so what I think we're going to do a little bit of this morning is what do you do when you bring all your family, like distant, your cousins, your step-siblings, your, you know, mommies, daddies, brothers, sisters, uncle? everybody comes together to one place. What do they do? They bring, everybody brings something and we have a potluck. Okay, so I feel like... Bear with me this morning because I feel like this message is going to be a little bit of a potluck. We're going to be a little bit all over the place. And those of you that know me, this is very uncomfortable for me because I like a plan. Right, Pastor Kaya? Like, we like a plan. We like to know first step, second step, third step, fourth step. Before we even start, any other recovering perfectionists in the room this morning? Any recovering control freaks in the room with me this morning that can understand? But how many of you know, like when you bring your family together, it can get a little messy, right? We might get a little messy today, okay? We might get a little bit messy, but we're going to accomplish something this morning. We're going to leave here with everybody having some attention and everybody getting um, what they need this morning. Amen? So, like, when you go to a potluck, now, pastor, I know potlucks are not your thing, Okay? Because, okay, we won't even talk about that you don't know who fixed the food and who, how they prepared it and blah, blah, blah. We're also going to talk about, like, he only likes, like, three or four things to eat. So, I mean, the, the great thing about a potluck is that you get to try everything. You get to try new things. So, like, you might try something new this morning that you decided you liked, okay? You also might try something that you don't like. Let's just walk away from that part and focus on the things that we do. Get an extra helping of the things that you do like this morning. Amen? Okay, so I need you to, like, buckle up. Okay? Because we're going to be going a bunch of different directions. Amen. Pastor's going to love this this morning because what's the R stand for in John, R. Butcher Sr.? Amen. Right. So I'm never random, and yet today here I am being random, okay? So thank you. I wanted to say, first of all, to Pastor John and Pastor Kaya, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, it is quite a pleasure to be part of the best church, fam- or church family around it is quite a pleasure to have the best or the best pastors around as your pastor. And so I just want to give honor to you guys and thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to be totally random too. Okay. All right. Um, the other thing I wanted to say since I have the microphone this morning, okay, I've got the mic. I wanted to take this opportunity in a few weeks, um, my handsome husband, Lionel, Pastor Lionel, here. We are going to be having our, uh, we're going to be celebrating ten years of marriage. Yes. And I never really get the chance publicly to say something to him. So if you guys would just bear with me, like I said, you're going to like some of the things we have today that are served up, and you might not like other things. So if you need to look away, that's fine. But, babe, I just wanted to say to you this morning. I want to give you some honor. You know, it's, it's not easy being married to the perfect man. I mean, it's just not. He's pretty much the perfect husband. We all know it because everybody loves Lynel, right? Everybody loves Lynel. But seriously, um, when you do marriage God's way, like it's a blessing beyond what you can even express with words. And don't get me wrong, marriage is not an easy thing. Like I, I, I like talking to single people sometimes about, the whole marriage thing and all that, those that are waiting for their mate and all those nice cliches that we say. But the reality is being single is hard. But I like to also tell them, like, the reality is being married is hard. So they're both hard, okay? Nobody's got to, this isn't a competition for hard. They're both hard. If we can just, those of us that have been single and those of us that have been married, they're just hard for different reasons. Both can be a blessing as well. And marriage is a blessing and you are a gift, and I say it all the time. I I don't think I've said it in a while, though, that you are a reflection of God's love for me, and you truly are. Like, there's very few people I feel like that could put up with me sometimes, and yet you do it so graciously all the time, and you know, there's not many people that will see you at your very worst and, you know, still love you just the same. Like, I feel like no matter, that, that's the great thing. Lionel is a great man. And so for a little bit of fun this morning, because I feel like we could use a little lightness in the room. Anybody been carrying some heavy things this week? Yeah. And I'm usually the one that likes to be serious all the time. I, I just have that personality. But let me tell you, I like to have fun too. And like I said, Lionel is pretty much the perfect husband. I mean, he is. He is a great man. And so what I wanted to do this morning, before we get deeper into the message, like I said, this is a potluck, okay, guys? Bear, it, I feel like some people are getting nervous. Don't be nervous. It's going to be okay, okay? Pastor Kaya, it's going to be okay. But the title of the first part of this, uh, that what we're going to talk about this morning, is Seven Things I Learned from Linell. No, that's the title of the message. Seven Things I Learned <laughs> from Being Married to Linell. Uh, okay? It was really important. He was supposed to be serving in the children's ministry this morning, so I thank you, Ms. Rio, or whoever it was that um, filled in for him today. But I promise you it's not just all about Lionel, okay? It's just like if you were reading the Bible and you're reading about David, okay? He, it's, the Bible is about Jesus, okay? But there's lots of men and women in the Bible that we learn things from. And I just want to tell you that being married to the most godly man on earth like there's some things that you can learn. I'm just kidding, he's very imperfect, you guys. Okay. He's very imperfect. Number one, and I want you guys, I didn't tell the media like what the title of this part of it was, I just gave them the points. So like they're not even gonna know that this was really about Lionel. But number one is that I things that I've learned from Lionel is that hard work pays off. And it never hurt anybody. And I want you to turn uh, quickly. We're going to go through these really quick because there is like another part of the message that I want to get to. This is like the salad, okay? You guys are having the salads, the fruit, the cheeses, the veggies, okay? This is the beginning. This is the light stuff. We're going to get into the heavy stuff in a minute. But hard work pays off and it never hurt anybody. Colossians 3 verses 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. In Psalms 128, verse 2, it says, you will definitely enjoy what you've worked hard for. Isn't that the truth? Like, let's be honest. Some things we got easy and some things we had to work really hard for. And what are the things that really meant the most to us? the things we had to work hard for. It says, you'll be happy and things will go well for you if you work hard, okay? Things to learn from Lionel Davis, you guys. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, it says this, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall they. Right. So hard work pays off. Number two, hang in there, you guys. I know not everybody likes lettuce, okay? But here we are. Being generous blesses me more than it blesses you, okay? We just got done. Pastor John was up here talking about generosity. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's something that I learned from watching this man over and over again. Like, he'll find, like, he won't go and buy a pizza without a coupon, okay? He's gonna get the best deal he can get on the pizza. But if someone needs, you know, $1,000 $1,000 f- to pay their rent, like, that's no question. Like, let me just give that. Right. But if I don't have $10 off on my pizza, I'm not spending, you know, $30 on a pizza. It better be $20 or less, okay? Lionel Davis. <laughs> Acts 20, verse 35 says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Uh, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive right every parent who has blessed their kids on Christmas morning you know that is true it's a lot more fun now as a parent watching my kid open the present than it ever was when I was a kid opening presents myself okay number three there's only seven you guys and I'll go through them fast it all belongs to God meaning everything like the business that we that the Lord has provided for us it belongs to him You know, our daughter, Imani, she belongs to him. The home we live in, it belongs to him. The car we drive, it belongs to him. The money that's sitting in the bank account, it belongs to God. It all belongs to him. And that's something that my husband has taught me over the years. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything and everybody, we all belong to him. None of it's ours. Um, We are stewards of everything and owners of nothing. Number four, the goal is more important than my role. That's actually a John Maxwell um, quote. But that's where I heard it first, but I really watched it come to pass in his life. And I know he's like super uncomfortable right now, you guys that we're talking about him like this, because he definitely knows that the goal is more important than his role, meaning that, like, he's very happy to sit in the background. He's very happy to be in the children's church where nobody, you know, can see him or say his name or talk about him or look at him. He'd much rather just sit in the background, and there's something about humility, because pride comes before a fall. In James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Like right now, he will lift you up in this moment. Years and years of being behind the scenes and supporting um, because you know that the goal, God's will, is more important than my part that I'm playing in it. Amen? Hopefully you're getting something out of this as you're jotting this down this morning. Number five, what I want is less important than what my family needs. (sighs) What I want is less important than what my family needs. I mean, Lionel, we just had this talk this morning. How old are those jeans? Like how long, how many years? Has it been 10 years? Like the whole time since, like when we first got married? I don't know. No, I'm just saying, like he definitely puts his needs and his wants aside. All his needs are met according to God's riches and glory. But not every want we have is something that we get. When we're putting others before ourselves, especially our family, Philippians chapter two, verses three through four, it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And that is Lynel, like, like, I'm, I'm not. I am giving honor where honors do, but we do know the ultimate the person that we look to is Jesus. However, I'm going to look to this man because I've, for the last 10 years, I've seen him be faithful and be consistent. Not perfect, okay? But I've seen him be consistent and I've seen him continually lay his life down over and over again for the well-being of others. Yep. And it's just something that I aspire to do as well. Um, and I'm so thankful to be married to you. All right, number six. There's only two more. You got like two more bites of salad, okay? Okay, there's a carrot stick you can dip in some some ranch, okay? Be yourself and you fit in with everyone. This is the first thing that I recognized about Lynell when I met him. And the biggest thing that I prayed for in a man of God. I had been, previous to that, let down by a lot of men of God. Um, that were one way on a platform and a totally different way off the platform. And I was like, God, I'm not going through that again. Right. I am not gonna deal with that again. So, the person that I meet, the man of God that you have for me, my future husband, he needs to be genuine. He needs to be the same person no matter what situation you put him in. And I loved it because it was really important to me and actually really important to him that he got to know some of my friends who my closest friends were Donald, or Donald and Raquel. Pastor Donald, Pastor Raquel. And at the time, they were the first ones to get to meet Lionel. And I was like, Donald, tell me the truth. Because I feel like, you know, I didn't, yeah, yeah. If you ask Donald to tell the truth, you don't even have to ask him to tell you the truth. He'll just tell you the truth, okay? He's going to tell you the truth. Well, he uh, Lionel invited him to come work with him a couple of, day, a couple of days, a couple of times. And so... Donald got to see him in the worst of moments and the best of moments, right? Um, he got to see him when he was all, you know, cleaned up and we're going out to dinner together to meet him for the first time, to introduce him to them for the first time. And then he also got to see him, you know, like in the jeans that are 10 years old that have rips in them and, you know, that are stained from all the hard work that we talked about, number one, hard work, never hurt anybody, okay, a little hard work, um, And the one thing that I can remember, I was really depending on Donald to tell me, like, tell me the truth. Like, he's like, he's the same guy no matter what situation you put him in. You know, whether he's stressed out or whether he's excited, whether he's sad, whether he's mad, he is the same. And I'm like, confirmation. Yes, exactly. You're going to get the same line now, no matter what clothes he's wearing, no matter what people he's around. And I mean, he has the opportunity a lot of times to be around some very wealthy people, some very influential people because of the work that he does. And he's the same guy with them. He treats everybody the same. So be yourself and you'll fit in with everybody, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. 1 Timothy 1, 1.5 says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and genuine faith. That is it. Be yourself and you'll fit in with everybody. And I promise, here's your last bite of salad. Number seven, always, and this is one that I just came up with this morning, okay? Always be ready to fight. Okay, how many of you know now? and have gone anywhere at any time with him, right? He sees any situation, and he will tell you the exact scenario of how he's gonna take that person down <laughs> if they do anything. Like, he is ready. Like, he is in his truck driving, and he's like, that. if that guy gets in front of me, this is how I'm going to handle it. Like, or if we're just sitting in a restaurant and it's like, okay, I need to face the door because if anything happens, if anybody pops up, I got to handle it. Like he is always ready to fight. And I feel like that is a word for somebody in this room this morning. We need to always be on guard and ready to fight. Okay, I know we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic at the moment, and we thought this time last year, as we were starting to think about the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 to happen, like we thought something magical was going to happen when that calendar flipped over after December 31st, and we were in a brand new year, but I'm telling you, 2021 has not looked a whole lot different than 2020 looked, okay? For anybody who needed that this, this morning. And we've got to stay on guard. Just because 2020 wasn't ha- was hard, there was no promise that 2021 was not also going to be hard. There's one thing I cannot stand. Okay, there's, I shouldn't say it that way. I am, Lord, I am so thankful to be a parent because I waited for 20 years to become a mama of a little girl, okay? Okay. But if there is one thing that drives me crazy is when she says, when I've asked her to do something, and I can tell she's avoiding it. And I'm like, Monty, what, what's going on? Why are you? It's hard. <laughs> do you know how many times I've had to tell a six-year-old, life is hard. Get used to it. Like, I feel like in this family moment that we're having right now, like, life is going to be hard. Get used to it. We live in a broken imperfect world. And I'm sorry if someone told you that if you just have happy thoughts and think positively all the time, that everything's going to work out and always be okay. Someone did you a disservice. Someone lied to you. We got to always be ready to fight. We can't just sit back and let things happen to us all the time. So thank you for teaching us all those important life Skills. Now we're going to take, that was 15 minutes, you guys. Now we're going to take 15 minutes and go through the, the meat and potatoes of the message today, okay? Are you ready? Okay, hope you're ready. All right. I really like salad, so like we could stay there and talk about like now if you want. Okay, you want the meat. Okay, all right, all right. Oh, wait, we've got some vegans in the room, so like, we can hang out. Okay, all right. All right, so this is going to taste totally different. Okay, this is going to taste totally meat. And potatoes taste totally different than the, the vegetables in the salad, okay? So we're switching gears. Are you with me? Yes. We just took, we're, we're on the random road, and we're turning on to the next random road, okay? So we're completely turning. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. You still got your seatbelts on? Yes? Okay. Because I don't want you to fall out. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So I already said all that part. See, this is what happens when you when you do a potluck okay some of the food mixes into the other food on your plate or are you one of those people that your food can't touch like yes you need that special plate that they make do you bring your own plate to the potluck that's what I want to know like because then then you can keep it divided yeah you're like you're like my six-year-old basically you don't want the food to touch okay all all right all right all right switching gears can I get you to turn to Mark the book of Mark chapter four We're going to start off the meat and potatoes with some meat of the word, okay? Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Thank you so much, media team. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Okay. I know. They're following. I love it. Okay. That same day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, the disciples got into the boat in which Jesus was already sitting, So Jesus was there, and they took him with them. Other boats sailed with them. Uh, Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, I feel like a storyteller right now. Suddenly, little children, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious storm arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was nearly swamped. I mean, the only time that being in a storm is worse than when you're a kid in the middle of a thunderstorm by yourself in the dark is being in a boat. In the middle of a thunderstorm. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. I love that, that they, point, that they put in there. He had a cushion, okay? He was resting calmly, and he had a cushion. So he was very comfortable. So they shook him awake, saying, teacher, don't you even care? Maybe that was a little dramatic. Don't you even care that we are all about to die? He said, save us. Rescue us. Jesus, don't you even care? He rebuked the storm. Fully awake, he rebuked. Yeah, you're fully awake at that point, right? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, be still. All at once, the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? Mm." But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and the waves obey him? Amen. 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 Talking about storms this morning, I guess. I want to go back to verse 39 where it says, Teacher, don't you even care? That's how they woke him up. You know, it's obvious at this point Jesus is a little frustrated, okay? Okay. He's been, he was sleeping calmly with a cushion, okay? He was good. And he was, anybody ever had a rude awakening? Wake them up like a six-year-old in your face, like, good morning, mommy. Oh, God. Or, mommy, I had a bad dream. Or the crying, I don't feel good. You know, whatever it is, a rude awakening. It's not fun. So Jesus, he was probably a little, because it did say that he shouted. He probably didn't have to shout at the wind and the waves. He probably could have just calmly said, cease. But he was frustrated. And Jesus was frustrated. I mean, let me ask, do you think that Jesus was really that frustrated with the disciples because of their lack of faith in what he could do? Or do you think maybe he was a little frustrated because the way they came to him was, don't you even care? Like, they had faith in who he was, not just in what he could do. Like, if Imani came to me and was like, you can't, you can't fix my necklace, okay. I mean, I'm not really that bothered by it. But if she came to me and she was like, you don't even care that my necklace is broken. I'm going to be a little frustrated. Jesus was, is way more concerned about his relationship with us than he is about whether you think he can do something or not. If he's capable of doing something or not. He's way more Uh, concerned with the relationship and so I believe that Jesus was more frustrated with the fact that the disciples thought that he didn't care how many times has that been us though (sighs) I mean don't you see me over here suffering Jesus I've been suffering for two days I've been suffering for two weeks okay don't you even care? How many times have we maybe not said it out loud, but we kind of thought it in our hearts? Like, and we're guilty of the exact same thing. You know, like I said, Nell and I are getting ready to celebrate 10 years of marriage. Yeah. 10 awesome years, yeah. And I've mentioned this before, but did you know that God has a love language? Yes. yeah. I mean, most of us know about the love languages. I, you know, we all have a certain way that we prefer to receive love, might be, um, now I'm sitting here forgetting them, words of affirmation or physical touch, gift giving. See, you know them all, yeah. Well, God has a love language too. God has a love language too, and his love language is trust. Like there is nothing that gets God's attention more than when we trust him. Because trust is a reflection of or a result of our relationship with him. Trust is because we know him. We know that he is good. What's happening to me right now is not good, but God is still good. And he knows what's best for me. Amen? That's trust. And nothing gets his attention more than that. So let's... Trust, another word for trust is faith. And we know that there's nothing that pleases God more than our faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11, I can speak. I had two cups of coffee this morning, sorry. <sighs> so if I, you know, my tongue doesn't move as fast as my brain is working right now. But um, trust, another word for trust is faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 talks about that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So my faith must please him. And if I love somebody, I want to do what pleases them, Right? Let's talk about faith this morning because we're in the middle of a season of time where a lot of people's faith is being tested. Anybody had their faith tested in recent times ever in your life? Okay. I think I saw everybody's hand at some point. All right. I know we're going to start, we're going to lay a quick foundation, okay, because we're going to be done here in a few minutes. But Romans chapter 10, verse 17, common scripture says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing the Word of God is the first step of faith. Agreed? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But just being a hearer only of the Word isn't enough, right? If we want our faith to be activated, like we receive that faith and it's alive. Like we receive it. We know. It's like I sat in the service this morning and I learned about faith or I learned about this from the Word of God and I have faith in this word that's been given to me. But if I leave here and I do nothing with the word, the same way if someone put a seed in your hand and you did absolutely nothing with it, eventually that seed is going to die. Faith is like a seed. And if we do nothing with it, eventually that faith is going to die. That's why sometimes it's like, well, how come I sit in a service and I leave so encouraged? But then as the week goes on, it's like I totally forget. All of a sudden the feelings hit me you know, of all the situations that I'm facing, and I was all encouraged in church, but now I I don't feel like I can make it. It's because you let that seed die. You didn't do anything to activate it. James chapter 2, verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So doing the word, applying it to our lives, that's what causes it to come alive and stay alive and grow. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, but faith is or comes by hearing the word of God and it's activated when we do it. It's delivered to us alive, but if we do nothing with it, if we don't put it into practice, it's going to die. So what are some things that are killing your faith today? We're going to speed round go through some faith killers this morning, okay? And then we're going to speed round talk about faith builders, okay? Let's read the parable of the sower this morning, found also in Mark chapter 4, a few verses before the storm. It says this, I'll read it quickly. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts, just like we talked about. You hear the word, you're encouraged, but then we do nothing with it, it was stolen. These, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. That's like, okay, my roots aren't very deep, so like I do it for a little while, but then I stop. And then the seed dies. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and you've heard Pastor mention this scripture a few times lately, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful, or it dies. But these are the ones sown on the good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. You know what I love about that? I was just thinking as I'm reading, is it, like, we have all the control over it, this recovering control freak has control over whether that seed is going to grow or not like we can keep the seed from being stolen we can make sure that well okay i don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to talk about faith builders in a second but i want to focus on chapter on verse 19 that we just mentioned and the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfru- unfruitful those are the are the faith killers these are the things that, if we let them, they can overtake our faith and cause the seed that was planted in us to die. The cares of this world, the worries of this life. And there's a lot of them right now. Let's just be honest. I mean, I know we're a, a people of faith, but the faith doesn't deny the reality. Like, there is a worldwide pandemic happening, and it's affecting each and every one of us personally, right? Not only that, there's a lot of things happening because of the pandemic. People's jobs are not secure. Businesses have gone under. All these things. There's lots of cares to weigh us down. And even when it's not affecting you personally, you turn on the news and you can get worn down by hearing how it's affecting every other person in the world. The cares of this world, be careful because they can choke out the word. This is a big one. You know, people are are worried about their health. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their families. They're worried about uncertainty in general. And so fear, fear is becoming greater than faith. Fear is choking out the faith. All right? The other thing, uh, there's three items or three things here that are faith killers. The second one that, that it mentions here is deceitfulness of riches. There's a false security of wealth. A lot of people are putting the, have put, sometimes even without realizing their faith in a job, and then all of a sudden the job is gone, and fear sets in again. There is only one thing that we can put our security in that will never let us down, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the rock on which we stand. So many have lost their jobs and businesses and are realizing that their security in finances and wealth is not where it's at, and it's killed their faith because of it. And the third thing is desires for other things. You know, anytime we put our faith in anything other than Jesus, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. There's a lot of things that pull on us. There's a lot of things that um, desire to distract take our attention away. One of the things that I, I was getting ready for church on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I just clearly heard this voice on the inside of me say, the very things that you have been using to cope to survive this season of your life are the very things that are slowly killing you. Lots of things, we use lots of things to distract us from the uncomfortable feelings that we need to face when we face the real situation that we 're in and that we we forget that we always need, need to be ready to fight right right like now we always need to be ready to fight instead we want to just sit back and just survive the moment and it's like okay, coping certain coping mechanisms that you have in your life they might be healthy for a season, but they were never meant to be a permanent solution to what you're facing in your life. And if we're we're not careful, the very things we're using to cope to survive are the very things that turn out to kill us later, slowly. And I don't necessarily mean a physical death. I'm talking about our spiritual. Like, sometimes we think that just sitting and turning on Netflix and binging on whatever show is in front of us is not hurting us until every time you're dealing with an uncomfortable emotion You're like, instead of going to Jesus, I just need to turn on the the Netflix and, like, you know, zone out for a while. Veg out for a while. And before you know it, you're not even opening your word anymore. No wonder. No wonder the word has been choked. So what can we do to protect our seed of faith? In closing this morning, we're going to have some dessert now, okay? This is the good part, all right? What can we do to protect our seed of faith in a crazy world full of uncertainty it doesn't look like it's going to go back to normal anytime soon, okay? How can we build and grow our faith rather than our fears? And I'm so glad you asked this morning, okay? We're just going to have a small dessert, okay? Because a big, heavy dessert's not good for us, okay? But a little one is, is, is just right, okay? Yeah, unless it's monkey bread, that's right. <laughs> that's another thing I learned from Lionel Davis, okay? How to make some monkey bread, all right? Faith builders, uh, here we grow, okay? Here we grow. How do we grow our faith? That's what we say around here. Here we grow because we're, we're not gonna sit back and just let life happen to us and fall back and let every seed that gets planted in us get choked out by the things that are happening in this world, okay? We're gonna grow together. So faith, like any seed, needs three things in order to grow healthy. It needs good soil. A seed grows in good soil. I feel like, was that a farmer that said yes? Like, how did you know? Like, <laughs> I grew up in Iowa, but I did not live on a farm, okay? But get planted in your community of faith. For most of us, that's here at the Building Christian Fellowship. We talk about it week in and week out, and it's on purpose. It's not because we have nothing else to talk about. But it's, it's the key to our survival. It's the key to our spiritual health. It's a gift that's been given to us by God. is the church. Amen, Liz. Yeah. When we're going through tough times, we need each other. The church is a gift. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We don't want you just to come to church. We really want you to become the church. It's not just a cute saying. Like, it's fun that it, like, not rhymes, but uses come in the become, come, become. Yeah, I know it's cute, but that's not why we say it. Not because it's catchy, but because it's the reality. Like I said, it's for our survival. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. In the NLT, it says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's why we want you to go through growth tracks. Whether you're new, whether you've been coming here for the last 10 years, whatever the case, we want you to go through growth tracks. Learn a little bit about the church. Learn a little bit about yourself. If you're not sure, like you're serious about becoming the church, but you don't know where to get involved, go through the growth tracks. Like, I don't know how else we can tell you. If you have any questions about how to do that, see them at the Welcome Center as you walk out this morning. Go through growth tracks and discover what your role is here at the building. I, I mean, the worst thing that could happen is not for you. Okay, then we find something else. Let's move on to the next thing. No big deal. Be intentional, though. That's how our, our faith seed grows. We join a growth group. and We get to know some people. And before you know it, you've spent six, seven, eight weeks together, and all of a sudden, you have this new friend that when your husband ends up in the hospital with COVID, you can call on. You're not by yourself now. Amen. And then ultimately, join the dream team. What's the dream team, you said? Everybody that serves here at the Building Christian Fellowship is part of the dream team. And we're going to find a place to plug you in on the dream team. So number one, here we grow. How to grow your faith is plant it in good soil. Number two, water it with lots of water. Okay? A seed grows when it's watered regularly. You can't just water it one time and expect it to grow. No, it's got to be done on a regular basis. And in the Bible, water often represents the spirit. God wants us to spend time just like we did this morning in his presence. Through worship, through prayer. That's how our seed of faith grows. When we spend time with him. It's not just about We say it all the time. It's not just about real, relevant relationships with one another, but it's about having a real, I'm sorry, it's all about, yeah, having a real relationship with God and having a real, relevant relationship with one another. Both are great for helping our seeds to grow. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Spending time in God's presence through worship and prayer will cause your faith to grow. All right. First Corinthians 10:31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Meaning, we can worship God whether we're in the building with a hundred other people and the worship team playing a song, or we can do it while we're standing at the sink doing the dishes. Everything we do can be done for the glory of God, driving the kids to drop them off at school in the morning, going to your job and sitting at your desk. Everything we, can, we do can be a worship unto God. Number three is sunlight. A seed grows in the light of the sun, S-O-N. Jesus is the son of God, and he is the word of God. According to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Spending time in God's word will cause your faith to, to grow. These are just three simple things this morning. This was just like the icing on the cake, the dessert, the little scoop of ice cream on the side, okay? If you want that seed of faith to grow this morning and for the rest of the week, make sure you stay connected to the church. Plant yourself in good soil. Drink lots of, or water that seed with the water of his presence and his spirit and let the sun shine on you through his word. Amen? Amen. All right. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Hallelujah. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.